0: Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I have with me a futurist, Tron Arne Unheim. Welcome to the show. Thanks
1: so much, Jason.
0: And this is going to be a part of my segment that people like called future tech, uh, which we talk about futuristic stuff. And in this case, future, pu- uh, sorry, future proofing humanity by confronting global risks in the digital era. So a lot there, a lot to unpack in, in a short time. So we'll jump right in. Um, one of the first things that like I would personally want to know is, uh, all the emerging technology that we see out there, there's so many new things happening. Um, the geopolitical economy, the ecological challenges—they um, present these great opportunities, but also risks. So let's let's just talk about that right now: is how, like, you know, the good things we get, but then the bad things we get.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly my my uh, focus here. So the the point is, you know, you, we have to keep both things in mind. So when when we're developing technologies, they uh, there's this term called dual uh, use, uh, which really is sort of just saying that there is one kind of good or original intended use, and then there is basically misuse. And the original intent of that is kind of criminals and terrorism and whatnot. But, but there's so, so much annoying. Than, <laughs> there's so much more than dual use, if you know what I mean, because there's yeah. ways to use this for good, and there's tremendous potential of many, many emerging technologies and other developments. The whole economic growth in and of itself, you know, we depend on it. And and it has produced so much, but there's a downside even to growth. So there's a downside to everything, and I think yeah. you know uh, we talk, need let's to be mature. Let's talk about some now.
0: of those. Let's talk about some of those risks. Like what what is humanity facing today in the digital in the digital era? Like what are some of the top three?
1: Well, what we're facing is uh, a situation where the risks are interacting because digital essentially means interaction. So whereas we before might have just uh, had the luxury of confronting whether it was a climate problem or some disease, you know, an infectious disease that was, uh, you know, moving around Europe or in some specific territory with digital, for the most part, uh, a lot more is connected. So we have what we term, you know, cascading risks. These are risks that are uh, becoming more interdependent on each other. So for me. It's not just talking about when and how and, you know, will, will would their uh, world end. It is how do we mitigate, how do we de-risk in the middle of all this innovation.
0: So, so speaking of de-risking, I mean, I'm reading so much stuff in the news, especially about AI, about how we need to start, you know, regulating and making it safer and a kill switch, whatever, now – Versus playing damage control when the robots take over. So how do you strike a balance between the ambitious goals that humanity has versus maybe de-escalating, de-growing, you know, controlling things like how, how do you how do you balance that properly?
1: Yeah. I mean, this is obviously a massive discussion. Even right now, there was this letter about pausing AI. I happen to be a contrarian on that in that I don't think pausing anything does any good. I think we are on this trajectory of a tremendous innovation and we are very far from any sort of individual episode of AI taking over. I think it was completely misguided, Mm -hmm. but I do see that it's leading to some good things, which is policymakers are going to need a lot of time and we're going to have to build up institutions entire labs whose only responsibility it is you know perhaps some sort of CERN-like structure whose only responsibility it is to monitor these technologies mm-hmm. and and help the developers of these technologies and I don't disagree to, you know about any of those things but at the same time I think a managed slowdown actually of all kinds of risky innovation is perhaps a, a much more uh realistic way even that is going to be so extremely. let's, let's talk about that for a
0: second. So a managed slowdown. What does that entail for someone listening who doesn't know what that?
1: Well, in the degrowth literature, that that's essentially what I'm just paraphrasing here. That it's this idea that uh, the entire uh, economic growth that we have experienced has been going so far, and it affects so many domains. And unfortunately, you know, certain people, you know, become rich of it, but. But we are not able to, in the whole system, take in all the negative externalities that are also occurring. So I think that at least the, the, the whole movement around degrowth talks about how we generally, across all domains, right. need to just build in safeguards. And one safeguard is slowness. It has always been. It, why are institutions accused of being slow? Right, but- because they're slow for a reason. They're slow because they're thinking.
0: Right. But then you have like rival companies or, you know, bad actor states or countries that are like, well, we don't want to slow down. We want to be first to the finish line. We want to have the first military, uh, military ready AI robots. We want to have the first military ready cyber systems that can attack anybody so we can protect our systems. So like we can't control what the world does. So while there's this managed slowdown, what, what's happening outside of those factors? Like is anything being? Yeah, monitored. I mean,
1: clearly, you, you you know, we have to monitor everything and not everyone's going to follow every regulation. So you're right. But it, it so happens that for most of the risks that I study, whether it's AI, uh, you know, bio risks, uh, even nuclear risks, all of these things, all kinds of new energy risks, they all take a significant amount of infrastructure and resources to pull off any kind of risk event. It is mm-hmm. actually not that easy. So right. if you control 80%, you catch 95% of the problem. Mm. Uh, that does not give us any reason to pause and, and take it all easy uh, about the 5% that could destroy the world. Uh, so we, we live in a very risky society, and we, we obviously have to figure out a way to keep living in this situation. But I don't think complacency or saying, well, it's gone well so far Right. That doesn't strike me as the right answer to this. Question. <laughs> that
0: doesn't sound I don't like that. That yeah. sounds more like uh you know my painting is going well so far. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Spite, but you, you know f-
1: these are these are difficult things but I think if people really think about it it's manageable. It's what we have to do and there's no choice uh, in the matter. And it's just,
0: but it sounds like the government really has to kind of get involved and provide funding for labs and things like that for sure. You even mentioned maybe an an AI department in the future, like an actual governmental AI department that's really handling the, the manage, the slow, the managed slowdown you mentioned. So speaking of AI, we're talking about that a lot. And I know it's a, you know, that's kind of the hot thing right now, but we mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, AI is going to be changing people's lives, right? And maybe you can touch a little bit on how you think, uh, it'll help workers in the future. We see a writers and actors strike happening in Hollywood because they're being replaced by AI. So that's a bad thing. But where do you think it'll help society and the economy and like, you know, employment moving forward?
1: Well, both short-term and actually long-term, if we manage it well, uh, we are dealing with augmenting human abilities and human capabilities. And that's, yeah, I just wrote a book about that, Augmented Lean, there there really isn't a point to continue to kind of hyper-automate and automate people away. That is, of course, happening in, in fringe sort of situations and in, in jobs that we never wanted in the first place. And it will happen for, uh, for some other types of jobs, too. But, you know, this fear that we will all be without employment or, you know, the economy is going to collapse because of technology... I simply don't buy it because there's so much creativity out there, you, you know, especially in Hollywood. I, I think, you, you know, you, you were there. I think you guys will find other, other ways to uh, Hopefully. You know, extend your talent using the technologies. I, I just, this is a very, very misplaced fear. But of course, if you don't manage the risk of that happening, I'm not saying these systems that call for full automation couldn't be implemented. It's just they are dumb systems. This is not the wise way to use technology. And ultimately, I don't think that will go as far as the people either fear or I guess they wish, you know, these automated business models.
0: Well, if you look at Hollywood today as it stands, we're already seeing a lot of that in our movies and shows, right? The Mandalorian relies on that heavily, the CGI characters, and they scan an actor one time. They use him or her for many episodes and just pay, you know, a flat fee. Uh, we've seen it in tons of superhero movies and everything else, right? So it's getting, you know, better and better and better to the point where they really could just scan someone. So people's livelihoods could be at risk. I think if the fear that they're seeing is because they're facing it, right? So let's talk about other, you know, ethical scenarios that we might see when these systems, whether it's AI or, or bio or something else, what do you see happening overall around the world that is, you know, potentially... uh I guess the, the word would be like the integration and implementation of these systems, right? They're disrupting things. So besides AI, what else is really happening that we're not seeing?
1: Well, I think that's the point. There's, there's actually quite a bit going on and it's hard even if your research topic is risks and, you know, you have a very broad mandate like I do. Uh, I try to even just identifying which risk, risk factors to focus on is, is a big challenge, typically an expert How is say, go, oh, feel? <laughs> yeah my, my thing is ai risk or my thing is bio risk or my you know i'm a nuclear but you know if you are in security or you work for a government agency one of the uh, big ones you know worrying about what's gonna happen uh, you know all across the board you cannot specialize anymore in one thing mm. so i think one of the things that's happening is that even the experts and i mean even the deepest deepest experts even those of us who have tried to stay On top of a myriad of emerging technologies, we are losing the grip on how this is going to uh, actually be possible even just five years from now. So what does that mean? It Hmm. it just means we need to work in teams and then also education needs to change and, and we need to actually augment ourselves. We need to use AI to understand AI. Uh, but we cannot stop there because AI is a great example. It's a platform technology that enables any other technology. It could be that the true risk of AI is actually in how it's being uh, you know, deployed to like synthetic uh, organisms. Right. So now if you don't understand what's going on in a wet lab, it, it doesn't help you that you're an AI expert. You need to understand both. both. And then yeah. you need to understand the geopolitical risks or perhaps the organizational uh, strategies that will... Get you enough resources to either stop or further innovation in this area. These are this is not trivial anymore. There are very few people who can afford to be on top of this game, and we don't have a systematic way that any given country or agency really does this. Perhaps apart from the uh, sort of uh, three-letter agencies in the U.S., which I believe right. have a you know kind of critical mass of of people in each of these domains.
0: That's well. I mean, it's good to know, but it's also very uh, disconcerting what you're saying. So, I guess you know you're an expert, right? In in general, in your field, um, you're saying maybe you've had to tap into other fields. Sounds like collaboration, teamwork is really the way to go between the different uh, domains, you know. And what are some of the? Because this is what I'm what I, what I want to know here before we close off is what are some of the key strategies that people or these domain expertise agencies can do to preserve the future of humanity amidst uh, these cascading global risks
1: well the the very generic principle of being adaptable is going to be the answer to almost all of what you're saying because if you can adapt if your structures can adapt your teams if you have enough people that can on a dime you know almost like these hollywood movies where they're getting the super teams except is not there's not going to be one super team fighting, you know, to get up in the atmosphere and 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 you know uh, kill aliens. off and uh, uh, stop yeah. aliens or some asteroid or something. The the more realistic scenario is that we have an ongoing difficult situation with hundreds and hundreds of ongoing risks, and then we have at any given moment three to five to ten massive risks that are sort of cascading together so you you just i I don't like this movie (laughs) this is not a movie this is kind of life in real years so and you know we just have to build a different system to cater to it whether it's you know uh cascading temperature uh, uh,
0: adaptability is one thing but what are some of the others that are that can help us
1: well governance is obviously important the challenge here is also that we cannot just trust government to govern, right? So we're, we're going to need private sector. <laughs> Everybody is governing. We are all co-responsible for the future. So private it, companies. it is what we're creating. Yes, exactly. L- large private companies need to get much farther in terms of Well, you know, that, you bring up a good role.
0: example. Look what happened when, you know, SpaceX started launching reusable rockets. And then all of a sudden the government, NASA, said, well, we're going to give you contracts. You know, so um, we need the same thing, it sounds like, for like nuclear and AI and other things.
1: Yeah, and also the kind of the third sector and, you know, nonprofits and stuff, they also need to, you know, they've always felt like they're sort of a corrective to governments. But in actual fact, I think all kinds of organizations need to develop these governance charters and, you know, basically act like uh, responsible individuals. Because it's also not right that billionaires just choose their own topics to focus on. You know, how irrational is that? So if, you know, some not to be named billionaire, you know, invests in pet topic one and two, what about the other 15 risk areas? That's maybe, not fair. Maybe spread it out a little bit. Exactly. So, you know, we need a, a tactical and a strategic plan to handle how we're going to bring humanity to its next uh, state, you know, even in the next 25 to 50 and certainly in the next 100 years.
0: Wow. Oh, this was amazing. Uh, Tron, thank you. And uh, where can people find out more about what you
1: do? Well, my name is uh, long and hard, but if you manage to spell <laughs> even a third of it, Trondheim.com, you know, the website is uh, Gathering Something. Stanford has a, a bio page where we uh, work on existential risks at the SERI program at, uh, at Stanford. Um, I have a book coming out called Ecotech. Hmm. And you can find me on Amazon. I have seven books there. Wow. Congrats. So one of them is called Future Tech. Oh, I love it.
0: I love that name. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. We'll put everything in the show notes so people can check it out. Uh, Thanks again. And uh, as always, hope you guys learned something and we'll see you in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at JasonSherman.org where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap On Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.